This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 131 for March 2019, with Kofi Edo Bohan on Colossians. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 131 for March 2019 with Kofi Edubohan. Kofi is a seminarian and interns at Bear Creek Church in Medford, Oregon. He joins me for this episode to discuss theology from the book of Colossians. Kofi's been working through the book and teaching his church's adult Sunday school class. Show notes for this episode are available. You can find a basic outline of the discussion, scriptures referenced during the, during the discussion, Links to additional resources and related episodes from the Echozoe archives. You can find that at echozoe.com slash 131. There's also a video version of our discussion available. You can find that at the YouTube channel or in the show notes at echozoe.com slash 131 if you prefer to watch the show. Just a heads up, the Skype connection gets a little flaky during our discussion. So when you hear the audio start acting up a little bit, just be patient. It comes back rather quickly. And and just don't worry, it's not a bad download on your part or poor Bluetooth connection to your car radio. The audio problems are burned into the recording. Finally, before we begin, new Lessons in Logic videos continue to be posted on a nearly weekly basis. And you can find those at Equizoe Ministries' uh, YouTube page. And I've been trying to post those on Saturdays. If I don't get them on Saturday, I often will put them up on Sunday, but I've been pretty good about putting up um, a video every week. And there's a playlist, so you can actually go through and watch all of them at the same time, and that it's slowly growing. And and currently, as of this recording, it's about 80 to 90 minutes long, so you can watch a whole bunch of logical fallacies all in one little fell swoop. With that, here's my discussion with Kofi. Kofi Edoboan, it's great to have you back. I think this is your... Yes, good to be back. I think this is the third, if I remember right, Echo Zoe Radio. Yep, this will be the third. Cool. And you're uh, you're always in different digs every time I have you on. I think the first time <laughs> you were in London. Yeah. And then last time you were in uh, in an apartment. You'd moved to Oregon, gotten married, and yep. now you just bought a house. And and uh, you were just telling me for those who are might be watching on the video stream. I'm doing a video of this. If you're not, uh, go check it out and. It should be up. Um, if you see Kofi, he's he tells me he's in his shed in the backyard. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does not look like a shed. It looks like a library. It looks like a pastor's library. Well, so funny story about that. Um, so my wife and I started talking about buying a house in December of last year. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of talked about it. I was like, we weren't thinking to actually buy anything at that point. It was like, Let's just get the information. Let's kind of help ourselves out with that. And so we went to go see a realtor, kind of told her our financial situation, which she said was better than most. <sighs> um, and so she was like, okay, well, you want something in this sort of price range, allow you this much for a down payment. And so gave us some options. And 
this house that we're in now was the first one we saw. We saw two other ones, but we were kind of that's sold pretty good. On this yeah. one, yeah. Um, so saw this one. We really sold on it, and what sold me anyway um, was there was this twelve by twelve shed with unfinished walls and a shop desk and um, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff in here, which wasn't exactly to code. I found that out later on, but <laughs> it was more than functional enough to be an office for me if I wanted it to be. So that kind of sold us on it. We put an offer in that's its own crazy story. Um, our offer got accepted in less than a week. Um, and yeah, so we closed on this 17th, moved in on the 26th of January. Um, and then in terms of what you see now, Obviously, this wasn't here when I got here. So uh, with a brother from church, we put some walls up, put up insulation. Um, then I painted it pretty much single handedly. Um, well, for having been only a month, I'm really impressed. Yeah, um, it's been a tough month. <laughs> <laughs> well, I built I did the same thing with this. We built our or we bought our house in uh, 2016 and um this room that I'm in was uh, a storage room in the basement. And mm-hmm. one of the things that sold me on it, there's a door right here. And then there's this wall behind me. Mm-hmm. And then the storage goes all the way, the whole length of the house on this side of the house. Okay. And so I put this wall up right here mm-hmm. and then finished it all off. It was just studs and, and bare concrete wall on two sides. And so I did everything, mm-hmm. but I'm a I, architect by training. So, it's yeah. it's always been you know kind of a dream of mine to do you know far more than this. This was you know to to the the dream of an architect is to design and build your own house. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so this was kind of it was a lot of fun, but it was kind of settling. I'll, I'll take a room. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of work, and I'm impressed that you know even if it's just insulation and sheetrock that you would do that mm-hmm. in a month. That's that's pretty solid work and. I couldn't, I, I honestly had to ask, are you sure? Is that your shed? Cause it looks like it should be your, you know, like a, a spare bedroom in your house. Yeah, this is, um, well, I've nicknamed it the fortress. Um, so yeah, this is where all the studying and all the work happens now, which is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And you have power and internet out there too. Yep. So, um, the Wi-Fi from the house works just fine. Um, it's right across about, I'd say maybe 10, 15 feet from um, our master bedroom, which is where the, the router, router is. Okay. So, yep. So I'm right opposite that. So that works out fine. And it had power already, so I didn't have to do any electrical cool. stuff to it. So that helps. <laughs> cool. So we are going to talk about uh, Colossians. And this is another one of those episodes where I, I reached out for a guest before I had a topic and, and uh, so you brought the topic and I thought it sounds mm-hmm. really cool. And we talked a little bit briefly about, um, about our discussion, but it's pretty much, we're going to talk about Colossians. So um, mm-hmm. let's start off with the, you know, the backstory of what, why, why did you pick Colossians as a topic for today? Sure. Uh, um, so uh, I'm trying to think, when did I start this? So I want to say maybe six months ago, give or take, um, one of our elders at the church that I attend um, took a sabbatical. In fact, he's still taking it. Um, okay. And he used to take the adult Sunday school class. And so um, our associate pastor reached out to myself, um, another one of the elders and another guy in our congregation and said, well, would you guys be interested in sort of team teaching the adult Sunday school class? 
um, which was like, okay, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. And so we got together and started throwing around ideas and we're like, well, um, so it was just at the end of the summer. And so um, they're like, well, Bill had been going through Colossians and um, just kind of started. It was still very early. Um, what if we just picked up in Colossians? And so we're like, yeah, let's do it. So And he was um, cool with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we, we ran over by him and he there was fine. Um, so but you never know, like, like sometimes somebody takes a book, like they're going to work their way through the book and they're, they've got it in mind to see it through the end. And, yeah, you know, so it would have been reasonable yeah. oh, either yeah, we way very- to say, go ahead and take it or... You know, pick a different book. I want to finish it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he was really gracious about it. I said, yeah, go right ahead, run with it. So mm-hmm. um, if I, I started off, so we rebooted the study. Um, I started off doing like a review of it because we hadn't been there in like three months. And so in a sense, kind of been working my way since the beginning of Colossians. Um, the other guy that I was teaching with kind of jumped in and did a few passages here and there, but basically teaching the bulk of Colossians and then for various scheduling reasons i've ended up being the only person who's teaching colossians <laughs> um which is great um mm-hmm. i've really enjoyed working through a book again so yeah i've been in colossians quite heavily for the last few months and just this past sunday finished teaching through verses make sure i get it right 12 to 14 of chapter three so okay um Starting that section there talking about the new life in christ and the things we're to put on and so mm-hmm. i've been very immersed in the book pretty much every week for two three days of the week and you know there's a lot of themes that come up in colossians that the more i dug into it the more i realized these are perennial issues that christians are always facing in every age um particularly when you know something of the background of colossians and the church there and some of the issues they were facing you realize they weren't too different from us and so the answers to the problems aren't too different to the answers that paul gave them yeah, and that's why when you threw out Colossians, you know, it's not typical that when I'm doing a show I and 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 talking about anything that I say let's grab a passage of scripture and and talk about it. I mean, usually it's a theological topic, whether it be mm-hmm. um, you know, on the positive side or the the more of the heretical side, whether one way or the other, I'm it's more of a topical thing. And but as soon as you said Colossians, that's exactly what I had in mind too, and I thought, yeah, that'd be that that could be a really good topic to to, to talk about too, because mm-hmm. like you said, it's such a perennial thing. You know, we're two thousand years out and dealing with a lot of the same exact issues. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, for I, I'm sure most people who are listening are at least somewhat familiar with Colossians, at least the book. But um, it sometimes it's harder to get some of the historical context there. So what mm-hmm. maybe we start with that. What you know, you you kind of mentioned that a little bit, the issues of, of Colossae. Yeah. What so, was that city? Um, so so Colossae is a city that's in what's called the Lycus Valley. Um number of major cities in that area. We know two of them mm-hmm. quite well. So there's Colossae and there's also Laodicea. Mm-hmm. Um, Laodicea, we know obviously from Revelation. In fact, there's a mention of Colossi, of Laodicea, excuse me, in, in the letter to the Colossians. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were quite close to each other. In fact, apparently there was a letter sent to the Laodiceans yeah. that the Colossians were to read. There's a letter that obviously we have as Colossians that they were to read. So those were the two, two big cities in that area. And that was, that's towards Paul, the end of chapter yeah. four that that's mentioned, if I remember correctly. Yes, end of chapter four. That's correct. Yeah. Um, 
So I did a show uh, a few years ago, just not to interrupt you, but um, mm-hmm. I had Mike Abendroth and I talked about that because he had done a no-co radio on that mm-hmm. letter to the Laodiceans, and that was something that mm-hmm. caught my eye very early on in my walk with, the, and and one of the first times I ever read through the scriptures is. Um, mm-hmm. Here, Paul says, um, read the letter to the Laodiceans. I'm writing them a letter. You read that letter and then have them read this letter. And I'm looking Mm -hmm. at my Bible and I'm thinking, there's no letter to Laodicea. There's no Laodiceans, (laughs) you know? So so I went, so we added a whole show on that. What is that letter? You know, did it Mm -hmm. survive? Um, And I guess there's still a lot of controversy, you know, what exactly was that? Some think Mm -hmm. that actually it was Mm -hmm. the letter to the Ephesians and that it was, that that letter was meant Kind of like Galatians, it was a more of a regional letter. Mm-hmm. Others think maybe it was just a simple letter that had nothing uh, theological that we don't already have in the rest of Scripture, and that it was just mm-hmm. did, it just didn't make it into the canon and whatnot. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and those are really fascinating discussions. I haven't got there yet mm-hmm. in Colossians. Um, I imagine I'll have a lot of fun with my class being somewhat nerdy and pointing out <laughs> what's going on there. Yeah. Um, but Can I bring is, it up almost yeah, just to say, sure. check out the archives and I'll have it under the related yeah, episodes yeah, too. Definitely. So. definitely. Um, so in terms of the history of the church at Colossae, um, this is one of those churches that Paul himself didn't start. Um, we kind of get a sense that there's this character, Epaphras, um, who is more instrumental in the starting of the church there. In fact, in some time during Paul's ministry in Ephesus, so if you read Acts chapter 19, you have this mention of him sending Epaphras. Um, and so Epaphras goes and establishes this church in Colossae, and he gets mentioned, like I said, in chapter 1, verse 7, and chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And so as he goes, the church is established. Um, Paul writes this letter to them. And part of why he writes this letter is because there is this sort of incipient form of false teaching that's on its way um, to causing chaos in Colossae. Um, When I taught this to our class, I made the point of saying that what you have in Colossians is a very different book to the letter to the Galatians. In Galatians, if we can use the analogy of an infection, mm-hmm. the infection has already taken hold. Mm-hmm. In Colossians, there are a number of indicators that would suggest that Paul says, or Paul seems to think that there's hope for them. That, okay, you guys haven't quite gone so far yet. Um, I'm still, so like in Galatians, Paul talks about, um, oh, I'm wondering if I even labored in vain. You've fallen from grace, which, again, those are all interesting concepts to kind of dig into. Mm -hmm. Um, But the big idea is that this infection, this false teaching has taken hold. They're they're all in. The Colossians, not so much. What Paul seems to be saying here is quite preemptive in a way. But it's still a danger, and it's still a very real danger. And so Paul minces no words, and really for the first two chapters, he deals with the Colossian heresy, as it's been called, square on. And then chapters three and four, now that he's kind of torn that down, he kind of builds up, well, what is true Christian living look like? Unlike what the false teachers are telling you to do, what does it really look like to live in Christ? Mm-hmm. And so though that's a basic bit of background to the book there. You have that Colossian heresy, which hasn't quite taken hold, but still a problem. And Paul's basically writing to kind of shore up the believer's faith 
and to help them to ward off this full CG. Mm -hmm. Now, you brought up Galatians and that Mm -hmm. the Galatian heresy and stuff. So just like Mm -hmm. real quick, what was that Galatian heresy? So it's gone by various names. The most common name that people will talk about is the idea of the Judaizers or Mm -hmm. Judaizing. And so from a number of things that Paul says in Galatians, we can surmise that the teaching involved an addition to the gospel of grace, which was keeping the law of Moses. In particular, circumcision seemed to be a very uh, big point of this false teaching, that one had to be circumcised to fully partake in Christ. Um, What you have in Colossians is slightly different. Sorry, we're cutting out a little bit there. Rather than something... Oh, okay. Uh, You okay now? Yep, I think we're back. Oh, okay. So the Colossians, you said, slightly different from from Galatians, the problem they were dealing with. So while we can neatly define what the Galatian heresy was or the Judaizing heresy... Mm-hmm. The Colossian heresy is a little harder to define. Um, with the class that I've been teaching, I've used the acronym of a palm, P-A-L-M, to mm-hmm. describe the facets of this heresy that we can glean from the, the letter itself. So firstly, you have a philosophical element to the false teaching. It seems to be very caught up with philosophy and wisdom mm-hmm. and the idea of a hidden teaching that you needed these false teachers to impart to you. In that sense, some have called it a proto-Gnosticism, and I would yeah, agree I was with gonna that. Yeah, I going to say, so it sounds, sounds kind of Gnostic. Yes, yeah, so some have called it an early form of Gnosticism, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. So you have a philosophical element to it. You've also got, secondly, an ascetic element to it. So in chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, Paul will talk about the false teachers and the commandments that they give regarding false humility, um, the self-abasement, harsh treatment or severe treatment of the body. Mm-hmm. And so we glean from that that there was an element to this false teaching where they were also being told to kind of divest yourself of all earthly pleasures, treat your body harshly. And that is a form of spirituality that moves you closer to God. So you have a philosophic element, you have a ascetic element, you've also got legalism, which mm-hmm. to an extent all heresies to some degree have. Um, particularly a emphasis on the law of Moses again, in that sense it's similar to Galatians. Sure. Yep. Another emphasis on the law of Moses in addition to Christ. And then finally you've got mysticism. So you've got philosophy, asceticism, legalism, and then mysticism. And the mystical element is very interesting because at its core is this belief in, as Paul says, the worship of angels and a false worship and a very mystical view of the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And all four of those elements come together to form what some commentators call a folk religion. So what you have in the context of Colossians is not really a neatly defined religious system as much as a sort of hodgepodge of various ideas. Um, This was common in the ancient world. There were a number of folk religions where Mm -hmm. people just kind of took elements from this, elements from that, kind of threw them all together and came up with their own thing. Um, Which, again, if you think about our day, we are not short Mm -hmm. on (laughs) kinds of folk 
uh, folk religions, if you will. And so that's what's going on in the background of Colossians there. That's the what commentators call the Colossian heresy that Paul's writing to combat. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I, I had... I had Hinduism running through my mind as you're kind of walking through that, especially as you got to the mysticism. And part of the reason why Hinduism came to mind was that when I was in college, this was, um, this was pretty close to 20 years ago. Um, I had an instructor that was Indian from India and he never really talked about it, but I think he was kind of a quasi Hindu. He wasn't like Uh a stereotypical Hindu. I think he was just like, maybe a cultural Hindu a little bit, kind of like we have cultural Christians. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he knew this, this would have been after 1999 because I had, I was a Christian at the time. I was a believer Mm -hmm. and um, he uh, was very friendly. He was one of my favorite instructors, but um, Mm -hmm. we got to talking one day and um, I was still very, very young in the faith. I don't think I was more than a year old um, in my faith. And he he was actually saying he had studied, he'd done some study on Christianity and then had this Hindu background. And then he said, they're both very mystical religions. Mm-hmm. And I was taken aback at it at first. I'm like, well, I, I, I never really pursued it, but I thought, I don't think you really understand. Even then I thought you don't really understand Christian Christianity if you think it's mystical, mm-hmm. but I think kind of the the rest of what you said kind of sounded like, uh, typical Hinduism because it is kind of a hodgepodge religion. I mean, they have mm-hmm. one overarching god entity. It's kind of a pantheistic uh, religion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then they've got millions of gods that and these little gods that they worship are. I think which is what most people are more familiar with are more kind of emanations of this pantheistic god mm-hmm. entity and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So people, it, it ends up being kind of hodgepodgey in that Hindus will go find a favorite God and that's who they worship. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of, one person has their God and another has a different God and they're just, and, and, and a lot of them will even say, you know, it's okay if you want to worship Jesus too. I mean, he can just be another God in your pantheon, just like, you know, kind of as uh, Paul dealt with on Mars Hill and talking about this, mm-hmm. this uh, unknown God, you know, and, but so that yeah. that's kind of yeah. what was going through my head. I know you know the Colossian heresy really wasn't uh you mm-hmm. know it, 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 it all false religions are going to have some some similarities and that's just I don't know why mm-hmm. that why that came to my head but No absolutely. I mean when I start when as I've been teaching through this I've been struck by even just the new age movement. I know we don't talk about it as much mm-hmm. um these days but no, it's Which is very, it's very grounded yeah. in Hinduism, at least the American version yeah. of, oh yeah, yeah, of New Age. And again, it's a similar sort of idea. You have a sort of philosophical element. You have a low key asceticism. You've definitely got mm-hmm. legalism in there. I mean, every mm-hmm. false teaching has that to some degree. Oh yeah, and you did. You have a very mystical element to it. So in that sense, you know, I kind of think of what we see in Colossians sort of as a very heavily Christian flavored version of the new age movement as we deal with it today in Mm -hmm. some senses Mm -hmm. well and then as you said ascetic i'm thinking roman catholicism as well you Mm -hmm. know when we talk about Mm -hmm. self-flagellation and kind of trying to purge yourself of uh of of your sins before you get to purgatory you know kind of get ahead of that curve 
Roman Catholicism Roman Catholicism can be very ascetic in some ways. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know this isn't the first time Paul tackles this subject. In a number of his epistles, he talks about the fact that so many false teachings would have you, in one way or another, um, to adopt these rather harsh treatments of the body or this denial of things. So in 1 Timothy 4, I believe it is, Paul talks about, you know, doctrines of demons and part of the doctrine mm-hmm. of demons is they teach to abstain from foods. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that ascetic idea of, you know, abstaining from certain things, that's what makes you spiritual. And, you know, Paul's point throughout the rest of the Colossians is that isn't what makes you spiritual at all. And in a very real sense, he's just echoing Jesus who said that it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, um, but what comes out of him. Mm-hmm. You know, the heart is the issue. It's not whether you are doing this practice or that. It may help you not to do certain things or to do certain things, but the ultimate issue is always the heart. Yeah, and I'm... Uh, it, um, I don't remember where I was going to go with that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Rain fart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so where are you in uh, in in your Sunday school class on Colossians at the moment? I think we're having internet burping again. I got four. Sorry, I, we just had a little. Um, okay. It like froze and then it like raced to catch up, so I didn't catch that. Oh, okay. Okay, so I was just saying that we're in Colossians three. Uh, I just okay. did verses 12 through 14 um, this past Sunday. Um, we're taking a break for a few weeks because mm-hmm. I'm heading down to Los Angeles for the Shepherds Conference. Um, so I'm going to be down there for two Sundays. And then the Sunday I get back, I am filling the pulpit um, in our main service. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm basically out of class for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they kind of parked it in chapter three, verse sure. 14. Um, but we've kind of, so we've made our way through really the polemical half of the book in chapters one and two, and sure. now we're in the, some, we're in the more practical Christian living section of mm-hmm. chapters three and four. Okay. Um, one thing that like we mentioned as we were talking about, like, let's, let's talk about Colossians was, and you brought it up at the beginning too, is this perennial mm-hmm. nature of the issues that how, mm-hmm that we're still dealing with them. And that's, I'm so tempted. I I, kind of resist um, the urge to think that our time is, is somehow drastically different than the rest of history. But Mm -hmm. it seems that every heresy that has come along since the apostolic age is alive and well today. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's why, and and I don't know that it's necessarily always been that way or if it's, you know, kind of waxes and wanes or, um, I don't know my history well enough to say that's unique to us, that, that it's Mm -hmm. all there all at once. Um, I would say there's a sense in which it does wax and wane. And like we said, we talked about that fourfold nature of the Colossian heresy. Mm -hmm. No, at different points in the history of the church, different parts of that will kind of rise to the fore. Yeah. Um, and I think in our day, I think what we're experiencing is because we are in the age of information and it's easier than issue. ever. Yeah. It's easier than ever for any crackpot with a Bible that he reads upside down, if you will, mm-hmm. to disseminate his ideas 
to a really vast audience. Yeah. And so what you end up having is um, old ideas that the church has long refuted as it studies scripture and confesses its faith. These ideas just get brought right back up again. Yeah. And the reason they get brought right back up again is because nobody's thinking and nobody's asking, okay, how has the church answered this before? Sure, you may slap a new label on it, mm-hmm. um, but slapping a new label on it doesn't change the fact that it's still an old heresy. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, what we're seeing in our day isn't so much new ideas as much as it's the same core problems that the church has always had, just being magnified and intensified because, because of, that of information that we age. find ourselves. Yeah, yeah. that information age. Anybody can jump on a website and and learn about all of it. Yep, yep. Yeah. But we've also got um, kind of the big four cults, I think, is is mm-hmm. kind of why I'm inclined to think that maybe we are special that or unique. I shouldn't say special, but unique in that it's all come through. As you think about the main four American cults, we've got Mormonism, the Jehovah's Witness, the Seventh-day Adventists, and the Christian Scientists. And, and mm-hmm. that they've all kind of sprung up from the 19th century and made their way out. and um, and mm-hmm. and they all seem to pick elements of these various heresies that the apostles dealt mm-hmm. with way back at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know where else to go with that, but that's that's good point. Again, um the issues never go away. That's mm-hmm. the interesting thing. I was talking to someone just yesterday and you know the person's really apologetically minded and i'd like to think i am as well mm-hmm. um but they were kind of like you know i i need to just read more apologetics so i know how to answer everyone and i was like <laughs> there's a sense in which that's good and there's also a sense in which it's kind of missing the point yeah um i use the analogy and i've heard it from so many different people i don't know who to quote it from anymore but the idea of um bank tellers and how they're taught to discover a counterfeit yeah I've heard it yeah. as the secret tellers, service, but yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, tellers aren't told um, to study all the counterfeits. Why? Because counterfeits keep moving and shifting and yep. they keep changing. No, you study the genuine article. Mm-hmm. And if you study the genuine article long enough, when someone gives you a counterfeit, you'll spot it easily because it doesn't match what you've been taught. Yep. Um, in fact, Paul kind of says a similar thing in Colossians itself. So in Colossians chapter 2, And I argue when I taught it that this was the heart of the letter. Um, if you wanted a purpose statement for why he's writing, it's right here. Colossians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. Mm-hmm. It says, I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I may be absent in body, but I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Paul says, in a nutshell, the answer to the problem is never to focus on the problem. (laughs) Verses six and seven, just as you received Christ, continue to live in him. Other translations have it continue to walk in him. The yep. way that you receive Christ is the way that you continue to walk in him. Yep. It's not you come to Christ, you get given a, this message, and then you leave Christ, and then you graduate spiritually to something else. Right. 
um, as I heard a pastor back in the UK say one time that really stuck with me, the way in is the way along. Yep. That's a great way to put it. The way that you come to Christ is the way that you continue in Christ. Yep. Yeah, so I've heard, you might like this other way. I've heard it. Um, one of our preachers likes to put it. Um, my friend Bob DeWay uh, will say, we're not saved by Christ to be sanctified by Moses. Mm. And um, that that's focusing more on the, um, kind of the, 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 the Judeo-Christian his, historical way of looking at things. But, but it, it kind of answers more the Galatian heresy than the Colossian heresy. But, but really... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy to fall Same into principle. that trap. Yeah. Is, the principle is that you, a lot of people get saved and then they think, okay, now that I'm saved, now what? Now what do I do? You know, and you want to fall back to uh-huh. that law, the the Mosaic law. And well, you know, if it was good for them, it's good for us. And if I just follow these rules, uh-huh. I will get more and more spiritual. And it's really not it. I mean, we are saved by Christ and we're sanctified through Christ as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so in that sense... Um, the way that we deal with these issues is they come up in every age. Yes, I again I say this as someone who loves apologetics. Um, I love reading books about the cults. I really have a heart for the cults. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what they need is the gospel message. That's the answer to what is being said by the various movements out there. Yeah. Now, how you apply the gospel to each of those groups may be different. Right. But the answer should always lead back to the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it 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 helps in that if you know how, for for instance, the Mormons twist the vocabulary and, and, and twist mm-hmm. the gospel, you're better equipped than to show them the real gospel. Say, this is what mm-hmm. the Bible says, mm-hmm. and this is how your church twists it. But in the end, you still mm-hmm. need the gospel. You need that. Absolutely. Yep, that's exactly where you want to go every time you have these conversations. And in a sense... Paul models for us how we deal with false teaching in his writing to the Colossians. Now, he really gives us a pastoral model of dealing with false teaching. The hamsters are are slowing down again. They're taking a rest. Like I said, I take the view that you can... Sorry, Kofi. But the last 30 seconds were... uh... Uh, we... and I didn't ah, even catch okay. what you said. Um, Jesse, what was that? Okay, what was I saying? <laughs> um, all right. So in Colossians, um, what we're finding with Paul is that Paul is giving us a pastoral model for mm-hmm. dealing with false teaching. He's like, like I said, I take the view, and a number of commentators do as well, that whatever this false teaching was, it hadn't fully taken root with the Colossians yet. You know, he's not, this is not Galatians, where it has taken root, and Paul is basically on the warpath. Mm-hmm. Here, it's, okay, this thing is becoming a problem, and so I'm going to deal with this before it becomes even more of a problem. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't lose sight of the how I deal with the problem is reminding you, this is how you came to Christ. If this is how you came to Christ, and this is how you continue in him, is what these people are teaching you, the same thing. And if it's not, then you need to reject it. I think that's how you, if I had to summarize Colossians in a few sentences, that'd be how I do it. Well, yeah, you already kind of mentioned that the first, I mean, Colossians is four chapters, correct? Yes. So the first two are dealing with this issues that are popping up. And then the last half of the book is dealing with Christian living. And 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got what you need to believe, and that's a response to the false teaching, and then how you need to live. And how you need to live is not disconnected from what it is you believe. It's not... Um, our mutual friend Mike Abendroth has sent me an article to read um, <sighs> about the idea of what he calls legal... Well, not him, but the writer of the article calls legal... Um, oh, Sorry, legal... Ask Scott Clark, yes. Um, legal preaching. Legal preaching, okay. Sorry, you cut out um, again there. Yeah. Um, I'll say, so it was... Um, R. Scott Clark is the author, actually. I think you've had him on here as yeah, well. Yeah, I've got on a, um, a few times as well. Yeah. I love um, Scott. I, Scott and, does some great stuff. He's, yeah. We're we're a uh, little bit different, a um, little bit different theologically, but um, yeah, cause, cause, just a little but, bit. <laughs> uh, I love Scott. I mean, because because in our differences, he really uh, he challenges me, and he challenges me in such a good way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's always yeah. got some. Yeah, like he's always got stuff. great stuff. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so like in this article that I was just reading, um, he talks about this tendency that we who preach and teach on any level tend to have where the tone and tenor of our preaching becomes highly legal, mm-hmm. where it's you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Now, I personally am in the school of thought that says, yeah, we want to you know, show from God's word how it is that we're called to live. That, you know, it shouldn't be a complete surprise to people, for example, that we're called to live holy lives. Yeah. But the way that you do that is very important. And the way that we get from Paul is you have to lay that foundation of who we are in Christ and our security in Christ. And then it's from that foundation that you're able to say, in light of who you are in Christ, this then is how you're supposed to live. And so that's why you see that very sharp. And you see in lots of Paul's letters where the first half or so devoted to doctrinal issues, if you want to use the phrase, the indicative. Yep. And then you get to the second part of his letter, and now he's being highly practical. It's imperative. But without the indicative, the imperatives are simply just empty laws that we give. And what they end up doing is more condemning people because they look at themselves and think, oh, snap, I'm not doing any of this. Mm-hmm. Versus, well, this is what God has done for me in Christ, and therefore that enables me to live in this way. And so that's why um, Paul's structure in Colossians is amazing because he does such a good job in that third, ch- the beginning of the third chapter of making that transition from, okay, we've talked about this false teaching, we've talked about the theology that undergirds it, now let's start talking about what God has done in Christ, the fact that our Christ is our life, Colossians 3, 4. Let's start talking about that and how this works itself out in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a really great way to do it. And I think that's something that we can learn on any level as we handle God's word and we seek to admonish and counsel one another. But I've seen that um, kind of the issues there those issues all kind of play themselves out from so, from such different angles and that um, I think people are, we're just in our, in our nature, in our fallen nature, we're inclined towards legalism and that it seems like, it seems that, that that is easier mm-hmm. than just living in faith. And that if we have a hard set of rules and that we, um, we rebuke each other for violating the rules, that just seems much, much easier than, than um, living by faith and then working out that faith. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've seen that cause problems in that um, 
people, I, 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 people will put pressure on like the, the church eldership and the leadership, you know, that you need to tell me how to live. You need to tell me what to do and what not to do. Well, you know, I want to be faithful to Christ. So tell me, you know, they, they're, they're like asking for legalism sometimes, you know, and that can mm-hmm. be problematic. Mm-hmm. And that they, they get really upset when they don't get it. If a faithful preacher turns around and says, no, that's not what the Bible tells us to do. It tells us to live by faith and that this is how you live by faith. And, and it, it takes, sometimes it can take, it took me a while. It takes people a while to really see that connection between being saved by faith and then living by faith. And what is, what is faith? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, a little visitor. My, my daughter just popped in. Yeah. Um, but that, that, um, that that whole of idea of, of of what does it mean to live by faith and um and so I think sometimes it's it's not properly understanding the doctrine of assurance and I think that sometimes mm-hmm. understanding assurance if you understand assurance then that kind of kind of help get you in the right direction on faith versus works mm-hmm. you know yeah absolutely so like I said this past Sunday um. We started, my plan was to do 12 to 17. Um, the people in my class kind of joke with the fact that I say that we're going to cover X section and it's really a roll of the dice. Sometimes we might, sometimes we might not. And this past Sunday was one of the might nots. <laughs> um, so we got as far as verse 14. And it was fascinating. I started, the reason it took me so long was I had to spend so much time just in the first few words of chapter 3, verse 12. So Colossians 3.12, Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, and then he goes into the command, which is to put on compassion, kindness, humility, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Well, but that Paul word therefore just, can yeah. be a number of sermons. Yeah, it, it could. It really <laughs> could. Um, but I started a whole section. Um, so I use the analogy of horizontal and vertical mm-hmm. in terms of the first motivation and so 12 through 17 are a number of motivations that Paul gives for living the new life in Christ. And the first one he gives is grace, the grace of Christ. And particularly in verse 12, you have what I call horizontal grace, which is grace from God down to us. That would so be vertical. It's horizontal. Would that be? I hope I didn't mess up on something. <laughs> <laughs> That would be funny. <laughs> That's um, right. Um, oh, dear. I need to go check my notes after this. <laughs> oh, man. And You're no one in my class punched out, huh? Oh, that's hilarious. I'm um, sure they knew what you meant. I, I hope so. For the last <laughs> yes, vertical. So, um, actually, no, I think I did have vertical right in my hand. Anyway. <laughs> that's Grace okay. from God down to us. <laughs> And I got that from just looking at the first few verses. So Paul in chapter 12 gives us three descriptions of the Christian. He says the Christian is, or Christians are, I should say, because he's speaking to a group. They're God's chosen ones. They're holy. And they're dearly loved. Or some translations have beloved. That's who the Christian is. The Christian has been chosen by God, elected. Mm-hmm. He's holy, and that's holy in the positional sense. Right. He's been set, set apart, apart. Yep. Set apart, and he's dearly loved. He's accepted. That's all of those are indicatives. Those are things, and 
when I started teaching this section, I mentioned the word indicative and there was a lady in my class who had no idea what I meant. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay, quick grammar lesson. Um, I have some homeschoolers yeah, in this my is class good, as well. Because I, I struggle, you know, that's a challenge to me sometimes too. Yeah. Um, the homeschoolers in my class got this immediately, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not and a indicative. My kids are, um, but I'm not. Yeah. So indi- when we say an indicative, an indicative is Indicates. a statement of reality. This is what is true. Mm-hmm. And then you have an imperative, which is a statement of command. This is what you should do. But Paul starts with indicatives. He says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, not you do this to become his chosen one. Therefore, as holy, not don't, is not do this to become holy or set apart to God. And therefore, as dearly loved ones, you're already loved. It's not that you do this and then God loves you. It's because mm-hmm. God loves you. That should motivate you to put on these attitudes. Um, and so in that sense, you have to start there. You have to start with well, who we are. And starting with who we are, I think it's Kevin DeYoung in his book, The Whole and Our Holders, who uses the phrase, you know, be who you are. It's from knowing who we are, knowing our identity in Christ, that we're then able to actually pursue likeness to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you said, it in, even in our you know, circles where we prize the doctrines of grace and we you know, love the you know, good news of the gospel, the good news of justification by faith alone, um, you know, the five solas, which so people uh, watching and your t-shirts with five solos on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yet there's still, I think at times, like you said, our hearts are naturally legalistic. And so there's a tendency well, in our hearts. a deep-seated part of our nature, fallen yeah. nature. Yeah, but come on, who was I speaking to yesterday or the other day where I said, um, you know, it's kind of how we're raised. Mm-hmm. Like from childhood, your parents, so you can... You attest the validity of this, I hope. (laughs) Um, You know, when your kid does a good thing, you reward them for doing a good thing. Yeah. And and you punish them for doing a bad thing. And so it becomes ingrained in us that if I do good things, I get rewarded. Yep. And so the tendency sometimes, I think, is to take that mindset that we have, and for the most part, it's generally true in human relationships, and then to sort of transpose that over our relationship with God. Yeah. And say that, well, yeah, even with God, um, if I do good things, God loves me and God will reward me. And if I don't do good things, God is displeased with me without realizing that, you know, for the believer, the believer is Romans 8, 1, the person who lives under no condemnation because they're in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then that frees us not to just live licentiously. We want to, yeah, we want to to please God. we want to put on those, um, as some of the older writers used to talk, those Christian graces. You want yeah. to put those on because now you recognize, well, all I'm doing is living like who I am. Yep. Yeah, it's flipped on its head. We, we like you were, you were describing, we want to do well so God will love us, but that's flipped upside down. You want to flip it back right side up mm-hmm. where... God loves us, so therefore we want to do what He likes, what He loves. We want to mm-hmm. please Him. Absolutely. But that's just part of our deep-seated fallen nature is is to have that upside down. 
Yeah, yeah. Like I said, um, I think it's Calvin who said, you know, we're all idol. You know, our hearts are all idol factories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, part of that is, yeah, we constantly want to be doing things to earn divine approval. And we will stop at nothing to keep earning that divine approval. <laughs> um, and that's why we need the gospel, because the gospel reminds us there's nothing that you can do to earn God's approval. That even our pursuit of progressive sanctification, our pursuit of righteousness, God has to give us the heart to do that. That's Philippians 2.12 mm-hmm. and 13. You know, it's God who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. So if that's the case, then the answer isn't, you know, kind of pull up my bootstraps and do more. It's, okay, I need to be greater and greater dependence on the grace of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's getting that whole faith and works things back in the proper order. The faith first leads to the works. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is, yeah, I mean... It's always, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just think about how much fun it is to talk gospel. And, and uh, yeah, I go back to what I said before, that it's not the typical subject, but mm-hmm. I knew it would get us to the gospel. Yes. And, and that's what makes such a fun discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's been a joy for me each week as we've been... All right, it's... Uh, um, practical section i'm oh, sorry oh i think i think it caught up it's doing back? the slow down and then it speeds back up thing ah gotcha okay but i think i was just saying it. that okay sweet so yeah i was just saying that you know as i've been teaching through the letter each week you know it's been a joy to you know i know by nature i'm somebody who can i, I can really thunder imperatives that all of this doesn't just flow from pull up, pull up your bootstraps and work harder. It flows right. from the gospel. It flows from what it is that God has done in Christ. And as a result, then we are, you know, free in gratitude to respond to that grace of God that we've received and to live by faith, um, which really is what God wants for us. I don't think God wants for us to kind of obey out of fear and drudgery. Um, you know, God wants, I think, the Puritans you know, an evangelical obedience. So you said the, the Puritans used to what? Okay, so the Puritans used to talk about this idea of an evangelical obedience. Ah, okay. That it's obedience that God wants from us, but it's an obedience that's grounded in the evangel, the gospel. Mm-hmm. That it's gospel obedience that god wants from us not just uh, if i don't do this god won't love me or god will judge me or god's gonna come after me no in the end what god wants from us is obedience grounded in the person and work of his son in faith yeah yeah absolutely yeah i think i did a show years ago on um on on love and we talked about like what like how god demonstrates his love to us and then mm-hmm. how we demonstrate that love back. Now we know that God demonstrated his love for us in that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? So mm-hmm. he demonstrates his love by taking uh, our sins upon him while we're still sinners, he takes that sin upon himself and then and bears the penalty for that for us. But then 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do we love him in return? How are we supposed to love him in return? And the lo- way that we return our love is through obedience, that we obey his word. Mm-hmm. But we do that first because we love, not not because that we're building our love in our obedience. We love first, and then that leads to obedience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's vital to, I think I used the phrase in um, our class yesterday you know at that point it becomes really important for us to get our gospel grammar straight Mm -hmm. um get that indicative nailed down and then the imperative makes sense Mm -hmm. um not throw the imperatives out and then forget about the indicatives don't get everything in its proper order and then we can see christian lives that really flourish in love for christ yeah cool well, um, as you could tell, my visitor came in and she wants some daddy time, so uh, <laughs> we won't go too long. I think we're we're on the shorter side. I think I'm at if I if I marked my clock right, we're at about fifty minutes roughly so far. But um, okay, um, are there any further takeaways from your study and your your working through Colossians that maybe we should hit on before? Before we close, uh, or uh, yep, um, I guess there'll be one big thing that comes up in Colossians. Um, that again, I just as I've been teaching it, I've been really impressed by as I've been working through the book. So, in chapter two, well, three, excuse me, in chapter three, um, so really in the middle of this section where Paul's talking about these things that we're to put away as believers, in chapter mm-hmm. three, verse 10, he says that speaking of the Christian. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. That in our relationships with one another, again, you see that principle of the indicative and imperative playing itself out. Mm-hmm. We're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of our creator. And as a result, that creates a sphere in which, as in our relationships with each other as believers, the things that define us, and you know, I'm sure you see the continual wranglings on social media at the moment about um, you know, various groups in the church and their relationship and what have you. And you know, in studying Colossians, I've come away freshly. I've come away freshly affected by the fact that the thing that unites me with other people who aren't myself isn't a shared culture. It's not a shared skin color. It's not a shared socioeconomic class. Paul says none of those things are what matter here. It's Christ that's in all. And is all Christ indwells all of us. We share union with Christ. I think that was yeah. The, that was our first uh, episode yeah, we did together. The, was union yeah, with Christ. That was the very first show we did together. You know, it's because we share that union with Christ. Mm-hmm. By extension, we have a union it, with each other through through exactly. that union, that mutual union with Christ. So, yeah, and so He's yeah. in all of us. But Christ, as He says in chapter three, verse four, Christ is our life. So He is all. He's the one who gives us life. He's the one who has made it possible for us to come together. And so in that sense, that's where real unity is found. That real unity isn't found in shared culture, shared skin color, shared socioeconomic status. Those things are important. And, you know, they may raise conversations for us to have as believers. 
But the ultimate thing that unites us is, again, that indicative reality of the fact that Christ is all, and he's in all of us who are believers, and that gives us real unity. Um, and that, you know, that's been a joy each week to be meditating on, you know, mm-hmm. as I've been working through Colossians chapter three, because it's just that language is just writ large um, in this practical section of the book, if you will. Yeah. yeah. And going back to that first discussion we had, I mean, I, I'm glad that you circled back. <laughs> so, you know, so many, it's been a few years, but circling back on that discussion we had before when you were still in London, that's uh-huh. really, it's really stuck with me. And, and, and you mentioned the social media and seeing things pop up and I, I've been, maybe I've been fortunate and I've been kind of too busy to be on social media a whole lot lately. So I see uh-huh. that people are reacting to things, but I haven't quite grasped fully maybe what mm-hmm. the issues are people are reacting to but i you know so often i think i i go back to that discussion and think man if people just got that union in christ thing right if, if we can have union in christ we can have kind of by extension union with each other and we can resolve so many of these intra church issues Absolutely. that pop up mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it's like um, Philippians. Is it chapter three? Let me get it right. No, chapter four, where Paul says, you know, I entreat you, Odie, and I treat you, I entreat Syntyche. And what's his response? It's not just agree. He says, I treat them to agree in the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because you share this union with Christ. That union with Christ is almost as though Paul is saying in that passage, and I'll be kind of diverging from Philippians a little bit. Um, <laughs> But it's almost as though Paul says in that section, come on, you're both in Christ. Figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, really? This is what you're going to fight about? It's funny. It doesn't even tell us what they're fighting about. It just says, (laughs) agree in the Lord. You're both in the Lord. Just sort it out. Yeah. Well, why did he say that? Because he spent three chapters talking about the fact that we're, yeah. And and I think the... the, Go ahead. I mean, I, I... and certainly understand that scripturally, but also just being a parent, you start to understand that too, you know, and, and as you guys, as your family grows and you start having more kids and so having kids and especially multiple kids, you'll start to see that, that sometimes they just end up fighting and you just are like, just sort it out. All right. You don't need to run to dad or run to mom <laughs> and complain that he did this and she did that. Just get along. All right. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm the oldest of four. I get it. I get it. <laughs> and I have four, so I oh, I was dealing with that while we yeah. were setting up. Number one and number three upstairs fighting. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh, Kofi, thanks so much. It's uh, uh it's it, I I always love the providence of these discussions, and and that's why I'm um, I'm mm-hmm. not afraid to just say hey um. What do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Like I said, I've been, you know, as I've been bathing through, you know, the letters to the Colossians, like it's just washed over me in so many ways. And like, mm-hmm. I find myself all the time, I think my wife kind of giggles every time it happens where we'll be, whether it's a, the home group that we're a part of or what have you, I'll start talking and my mind immediately goes to Colossians because mm-hmm. it's just like, it's so rich and so applicable in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you know, all the scripture is rich. But that's so what's. Many ways. It can and be so f- in it. Yeah. yeah, it can be so fun to just dive so 
so fully into a passage of scripture in a one book mm-hmm. for that reason it can be so mm-hmm. enriching it doesn't matter what book it is i spent a, a bunch of time i was trying to put together a study on ezra a while ago and you know i think it's been mm-hmm. close to f- three or four years since i started that but uh, i was hoping to do more with that but just getting started you know um such a kind of a a book that gets pushed by the wayside you know mm-hmm. it's, it's old mm-hmm. testament first of all which kind of puts it mm-hmm on the back burner, but then it's a minor old Testament book, but mm-hmm. um, just grabbing any book and, and digging in is, is so rewarding. And, mm-hmm. and I, I understand, you know, it's, it's, I understand Absolutely. what you're going through with the Colossians. That's cool. I, I wish sometimes yeah. I would have the, the, the time to dig, to gain, to gain enough to do as you're doing and, and teach a Sunday school mm-hmm. or even to preach on it. But uh, yeah, but it's, it's definitely a very rich very rich letter. Mm-hmm. So I had a question that was kind of maybe more suited for the beginning of the discussion, but uh, as okay. we close, <laughs> I, I wanted to follow up on where you're at. Cause I think the last time okay. we talked, yeah. we were talking about discipleship and you were getting into yes. discipleship. You're kind of new at your church mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, where are you at now? Okay. So um still serving as an intern at my church, uh, Bear Creek Church in Medford, Oregon, mm-hmm. um, way down south in the state. So still involved in that um in seminary um and you know teaching classes at the church and starting to get together with two or three guys one-on-one during the week mm-hmm. um and you know a lot of what we talked about in the episode i'm now getting to do with you know sort of encouraging further yeah encouraging further engagement with god's word and i lead a home group um we're actually working our way through the lessons to the hebrews on wednesday nights um cool. You know, just being able to encourage people to dig deeper into God's word and to form relationships for the purpose of greater growth. I'm getting to do a lot more of that, which I'm really thankful for. And um, yeah, it's been some really encouraging times, not without its challenges. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, life has its challenges, yeah. is the way it is. Um, but all in all, there's been a lot to be encouraged by as well. Cool. Well, I'm glad to hear you're uh, progressing and, and growing and forming. Well, you know, you've been here, what, two years now? You've been. And two years this April. Oh, cool, and uh, growing in relationships uh-huh. here, and getting getting roots here in the states, and uh, it's always mm-hmm. great to talk with you. So, thanks so much for uh, for coming on and for for bringing Colossians. It's really, yeah, really absolutely. Cool thanks for having so, me. Cool. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zori Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. That wraps up episode 131. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com 131. Be sure to check out the website also for links to connect to Echo Zoe on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube and love to connect with you. So follow, like, and subscribe to Echo Zoe Ministries. Help us also get the word out too, if you wouldn't mind, by sharing or retweeting the announcement to your favorite episodes. Lord willing, we'll be back next month for the April episode of Echo Zoe Radio.